Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. And now here's your host, Patrick Beeman. Yes, I am Patrick Beeman, your host. Today we have another entry in our audio blog series brought to you by Med School Tutors. We actually have three articles for you today. Well-being and Academic Skills in Medical School, Building Resilience, which is a two-part blog post. And for the actual question content today, we have USMLE Question Breakdown, Pathophysiology of Pharmacologic Side Effects. As you've probably gathered from listening to the Inside the Boards podcast, uh, we don't want to just address what you need to learn on an exam because that is but a small portion of medical school. And from the perspective of somebody who is now an attending, trust me, the stress related to tests seems huge right now to many of you. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter so much. However, what does matter is acquiring good habits and self-understanding as you continue throughout your training, especially during the challenge of residency or fellowship training. And I guess, especially if you do something like neurosurgery, which is going to be a really long residency. At any rate, our inclusion of these sort of well-being ideas uh, through our Med School Tutors audio blog posts, uh, as well as how we try to at least integrate and encourage you in terms of keeping you healthy with respect to your social, occupational familial, and academic functioning. We want to do our part, even if in a small way, to fight burnout within the profession of medicine uh, and encourage you as you go through medical school to hang in there when it feels like you're hanging on for dear life to get you to a place where you are thriving. So thanks to Greg Rodden from the Med School Fizz podcast for helping us with the audio blog entry you will hear today. Check out his podcast, The Med School Fizz Podcast. The links to the full blog posts from today's audio blog, as well as Greg's own podcast, can be found in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening. Support the friends who help ITB. And stay tuned. We will be releasing our Step 2 Study Smarter series very soon. I will keep you updated. Tell your friends about ITB. And to quote, Sergeant Lincoln Osiris from Tropic Thunder, survive. Hi, everybody. This is Greg Rodden. I'm host of the Med School Fizz podcast, and I'm here to help the team at Inside the Boards in their collaboration with Med School Tutors. This Med School Tutors blog post was written by Karen Aquilano on September 18, 2018, called Well-Being and Academic Skills in Medical School, Part 1. The pursuit of a healthy work-life balance in medical school can seem like an impossible goal. Many of us are torn between juggling heavy workloads, academic studies, managing relationship and family responsibilities, and squeezing in our outside interests. More than one in four Americans describe themselves as, quote, super stressed. That's not balanced or healthy. 
we might rush to get it all done, and it's easy to forget that as our stress levels spike, our productivity plummets and our sense of empathy depletes. Stress can impede our concentration, make us irritable or depressed, and harm our personal and professional actions. To help others, we first have to help ourselves. As the old adage states, the drowning man can save no one. Over time, stress can weaken our immune systems and makes us susceptible to a variety of ailments and disease. Reports indicate that over 400 physicians a year commit suicide. Why? While we all need a certain amount of stress to help us perform at our best, the key to managing stress lies in balance. Achieving a healthy work-life balance is an attainable goal, but you have to make an effort and to want it. When people are balanced and happy, they can be more productive, they're less frequently sick, and they're more efficient and effective. Here are a few simple tips, strategies, and techniques that we can do to win back the balance in our lives by building resilience. Number one, set manageable goals today. Being able to meet priorities helps us to feel a sense of accomplishment and control. The latest research shows that the more control we have over our work, the less stressed we get. So be realistic about workloads and deadlines. Make a to-do list today and take care of the important tasks first and eliminate the unessential ones. And don't forget to ask for help when necessary. Next tip is cool air in, warm air out. With your eyes closed, shift your attention to the tip of your nose. As you breathe in, become aware of the air coming into your nostrils. And as you breathe out, be aware of the sensation of the air passing back out. And notice that the air coming in tends to be cooler and the air breathed out tends to be warmer. Cool air in and warm air out. Focusing on this kind of activity, air in and out, can help to focus your mind and to relax your body. The next suggestion is to review daily. Take time to integrate new material with what you already know. And the last suggestion is banana. A banana is a good source of tyrosine, and tyrosine is the amino acid that neurons use to turn into norepinephrine and dopamine. Norepinephrine and dopamine are excitatory neurotransmitters that are important in motivation, alertness, concentration, and memory. And here is part two of well-being and academic skills in medical school, building resilience. We might marvel at the resilience of the physical human body and systematically study how the body responds to a stimulus or stress. The mind is a little more difficult to understand. It is assumed that high-performing students can power through a psychological stress in a way that might never be expected of the body. Much of the time, we get away with that explanation, but most often it leads to an outcome that leaves a person emotionally exhausted, detached, distant, cynical, or unempathetic. Being honest with ourselves and recognizing when we need to be attentive to our own well-being is an important step in reaching balance in our lives. Here are a few simple tips, strategies, and techniques that we can do to win back the balance in our lives by building resilience. So balance tip of the day. Be efficient with your time. When we procrastinate, the task often grows in our minds until it seems insurmountable. So when you face a big project at work or home, start by dividing it into smaller tasks. Complete the first one before moving on to the next. Give yourself small rewards upon each completion, whether it's a five-minute break or a walk to the coffee shop. If you feel overwhelmed by routines that seem unnecessary, talk with your work or study colleagues about it and eliminate the unnecessary ones. The less time you spend doing busy work or procrastinating, the more time you can spend productively or with friends or family. Your stress tool of the day is diaphragmatic roll breathing. Place one hand on your abdomen. On the inhalation, your hand should follow the expansion of your belly. 
Inhale, feel the belly expand. Roll the air up into your chest. Follow the air with your hand. On the exhalation, follow the air out of your mouth, then slide your hand back to your abdomen. Focus your attention on the movement of your hand. If difficult to feel the belly expanding while sitting, try lying down. Your brain food of the day is beets. Betaine, an amino acid naturally present in certain vegetables, particularly beetroot, is an antidepressant. Betaine acts as a stimulant for the production of S-adenosylmethionine. The body can't function without appropriate S-adenosylmethionine, so it needs to produce it, and betaine can assist in this process. Your learning strategy of the day? Use elaboration techniques. Consciously relate new material to old material. How does the medical school curriculum build upon the academic foundation you already established? Know your science. And your personality typology of the day is introversion. Introverts prefer to work alone, can concentrate for long periods of time, set personal standards, but they may delay actions to think until too late to complete them. They may prefer quiet, uninterrupted study sites, prefer in-depth treatment of activities or ideas, and they're able to follow through until completion of long-term tasks. And our final entry for today is USMLE Question Breakdown, Pathophysiology of Pharmacologic Side Effects. Okay, let's get into a USMLE question breakdown that was written by Dr. Christopher Karuba on November 18th, 2014. It's called Pathophysiology of Pharmacologic Side Effects. One of the best ways to be well-rounded in your USMLE prep is to maximize learning from your QBank. By actively learning as much as possible from questions, you not only strengthen your fund of knowledge, but also further hone your test-taking strategies over time. As such, it's the med school tutor's goal to help you further your USMLE prep through our blog by presenting you with the kind of detailed question breakdown you would experience in your work with one of our tutors. So without further ado, let's tackle a great example of a two-step USMLE step one question. One of the most important aspects of step one and subsequent USMLE exams is understanding principles of health maintenance. This is a great time for test makers to assess your knowledge as it pertains to disease screening and the outpatient management of common chronic diseases like hypertension or dyslipidemia. The question that we'll go through is a great example of how the USMLE can integrate biochemistry, pharmacology, and pathophysiology into one question on the management of dyslipidemia. It also highlights that students can take many paths to achieving the correct answer and the utility of thinking through all the answer choices. So here's the question. A 47-year-old male with a past medical history of hypertension and obesity presents to his primary care physician for routine physical examination and yearly labs. His labs are remarkable for total cholesterol of 190, LDL of 75, and HDL of 25. The remainder of his labs and physical exam are unremarkable. In addition to lifestyle changes, his physician starts him on a new medication. Two weeks later, the patient returns with new-onset skin flushing. He denies any prior history of similar illness. His physician starts him on a second medication at this time, and his symptoms improve. This second medication works by what mechanism of action? Is it A, dermal activation of Langerhans cells, leading to increased prostaglandin release? B, inhibition of cytochrome P450? C, decreased breakdown of nitrous oxide? D, inhibition of COX-2? Or E, increased breakdown of dopamine? And the correct answer is D, inhibition of COX-2. 
This question is a classic example of niacin-induced flushing, a common side effect and reason for non-compliance with niacin therapy. Niacin activates dermal Langerhans cells, causing increased prostaglandin release and subsequent vasodilation. Aspirin is commonly given 30 minutes prior to niacin administration to prevent this side effect. Aspirin works by altering the activity of COX-2 to decrease prostaglandin release. Prostaglandin receptor antagonists like laropoprant can also be used. But let's break down this question further. This question is essentially asking which antilipid medication can be used to raise HDL and has a flushing as a side effect, and what is the mechanism of action for the drug that's used to prevent this side effect? The first part of this question requires determining what medication the patient was started on. Here, this could be done through the interpretation of the patient's lipid profile. He has low HDL and normal total and LDL cholesterol, which could indicate treatment with niacin as this can increase HDL. This is further verified by the return visit for flushing, which, as previously mentioned, is a common side effect of niacin. The second part of this question can be solved in several ways. One option would be to recall straight from memory that aspirin is commonly given to prevent cutaneous flushing with niacin, and then select the right answer. But what if you forget this information? In this case, by knowing the mechanism of action behind niacin-induced flushing, i.e. increased prostaglandin release, you can select the answer choice that would antagonize this mechanism. Finally, if all else fails, you can break down each answer choice to arrive at the correct option as follows. Answer A. Even without knowing that this represents the mechanism of niacin-induced flushing, you should be able to eliminate this answer right away by recalling that prostaglandins cause vasodilation, which would worsen flushing. Answer B. Inhibition of cytochrome P450 can cause decreased metabolism of several drugs, resulting in many side effects. Neither niacin nor prostaglandins are metabolized by P450, and if they were, you would expect inhibition of P450 to worsen vasodilation. Answer C. Nitrous oxide causes vasodilation, so increasing nitrous oxide breakdown would lead to worsening of flushing because of worsening vasodilation. And answer E, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's often involved in movement disorders such as Parkinson's disease. It wouldn't play a role in vasodilation in the face like this. This question provides a great example of how we can take several paths to the correct answer choice. Work through each question one step at a time, and if you forget something along the way, don't panic. Many questions on your USMLE Step 1 can be solved by trusting your gut and using the process of elimination. And that's the end of our USMLE question breakdown by Med School Tutors. Hope you enjoyed it. And finally, thanks to Jenna Lorene from the band Knights. That's Knights with two eyes. And my friend Randy Chase at Sun Pedal Recordings for letting us use the track So Into You, the new single off the upcoming album slated for a February release. From the dream pop melodic rock quartet, Nights. You can find them on Spotify. I chose this song. Probably would have fit a little bit better into a ortho-related podcast because of the inclusion of the line Broken Bones. Might be kind of a stretch, but again, if you listen to all of the opening music we use There is at least some connection to medicine, which I'm hoping will help you guys have a sort of memory anchor to remember the content from these podcasts. Plus, as it's probably been pretty clear, I love music, and this is one of the things that uh, helps me stay healthy 
and provides a lot of daily joy. You gotta have that stuff in med school. You gotta have that stuff in life. So please check out and support Knights as well as the other bands or artists who've provided music for our show. We try to support emerging artists because they are working hard at their own vocation and we all gotta stand together, right? As always, thank you for listening to the Inside the Boards podcast. Check the show notes for ITB happenings and other information, as well as links to the content included in today's show. And don't forget about our Study Smarter channel. You can search any podcatcher for Inside the Boards Study Smarter. That's where we're going to put our Step 2 Study Smarter series. And it currently has a bunch of high-yield content For you first and second years, learning all the preclinical basic sciences for those of you who are studying for step one.